You are listening to the Stillbirth Matters podcast, presented by the Star Legacy Foundation, a national nonprofit founded on the belief that every pregnancy deserves a happy ending. Visit us online at StarLegacyFoundation.org. My name is Lindsay Wimmer. I'm the executive director of Star Legacy Foundation, and it is my honor today to be interviewing our normal interviewer. Chris Duffy um, has served as our, our board chair and our podcast moderator and so many other volunteer roles with Star Legacy Foundation over the last several years, and it is he is bringing his um, time as our moderator for the podcast to a close, we wanted to take this opportunity to uh, reflect a little bit on how he was able to get this podcast up and going for us and some of the, the progress that we've made and just a little bit about his journey um, along the way. So Chris, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. This is really uncomfortable for me as a former reporter and, a, and the podcast host for the last five years to have someone else asking me questions, but I'll, I'll certainly do the best I can. Well, I will say I'm probably equally as uncomfortable being the one asking the questions. <laughs> we'll help each other out through this. So just as a beginning, you know, as, as so many um, people that are listening or that are connected to Star Legacy have a, a personal story that brought them um, into this, this world. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about Reese and your introduction into stillbirth? Absolutely. Thanks for asking. It's actually been a while since I've talked about Reese. So this is really good for me. Um, our daughter Reese was born on November 2nd, 2014, and we had one son who was one year old, Rogan at the time, and it was the day before her uh, expected C-section. We had a C-section scheduled for uh, Monday, November 3rd. On Sunday, November 2nd, my wife came to me and said she hadn't felt the baby move since that morning, and this was in the afternoon. And I was just about to go out the door to, for a run. And I said, well, I'm not gonna leave for my run until we can feel this baby move. And we, we laid there and didn't feel anything. And I said, well, maybe I'll just call the hospital. You know, we're going in to, to meet our baby tomorrow morning, but let's just be better safe than sorry. So called the hospital and it was very nonchalant. And the nurse on the line uh, said, well, why don't you just come in? You know, if, if nothing else, we can have the baby today since you're scheduled for tomorrow. Okay, so we came in and um, as my wife tells the story now, she was already panicking internally, but she wasn't externally sharing it. I was uh, ignorant and just thought, well, we're just, we're just being uh, really diligent here. And we went into the hospital and um, they connected my wife to uh, a machine and they had one person check and then she left the room and they brought in another person and they left the room and they weren't saying anything. And they kept saying, well, this, there's something wrong with this machine. And so they brought in a different machine and a doctor came in this time and she delivered those words that we've all, so many of us have heard. I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat. And um, however, they did sense a little bit of brain activity at the time so they rushed my wife, Amanda, in for an emergency C-section and Reese was delivered and they um, were not able to revive her. Um, so she was born still at exactly 39 weeks into my wife's pregnancy. I define my life as pre-November 2nd, 2014 and post-November 2nd, 2014, as so many of us do. Um, that is kind of my 
my benchmark for everything in life, where the day I changed, uh, the day my innocence was taken away from me. Um, and we, I can talk, we can talk more about this, but I, I learned very quickly that all I wanted was to talk to others who had been through this before. And I wanted to see joy in their eyes. Because in that moment, I felt like I would never experience joy again. It was so traumatic. Um, so I was so fortunate to meet people like you, Lindsay, and others connected with the Star Legacy Foundation, um, because it's this network of people who have been through the same thing. And we all believe that um, stillbirth um, results can be improved in America. And there's lots of amazing nonprofits that are devoted to this space um, in our country, but Star Legacy is the one that aligned most with my values, which is let's prevent future families from having to go through what we just went through. Um, so which is why I threw myself immediately into all things Star Legacy and eventually ended up hosting this wonderful podcast. You know, I've, I've heard you tell Arisa's story before, um, but every time it's, it's just, every, every time I hear any story um, of these babies, it's such a, a beautiful reflection to make sure that we all know how much these, these babies are alive and well in our family stories, even if they aren't um, here experiencing um, this life as, as we maybe had hoped and, and envisioned. But I can, um, you know, you, you see, or I feel the same um, sense of pride that, um, that you have for Paris as you do for your other children. And um, I think find, finding those outlets to parent um, through, through very different means, hopefully has, has helped kind of some of that, that pride to grow. But um, I think it's, it's just always so special for me when I see families that can, can celebrate um, their, their child's life, even if it is not in the way that they had hoped. Yeah, you know, we, we talk a lot about, I know you and I have talked about this, Lindsay, the generational differences with pregnancy loss. Even our parents went through so, something so much different where it was swept under the rug more often than not. I, I'll say this, I'm an optimist. So just a quick, take this with a grain of salt. But in many ways, I feel fortunate that we are in this generation of social media and sharing. I have had so many opportunities to share Reese's story and so has my wife. Um, I can't imagine being in a previous generation where it was normal to just sweep it under the rug and try to have another baby and move on with your life. Um, the way we're set up now um, in America to share and it's okay to talk about it and to connect with a nonprofit where you're connecting with others who have been through it and this sense of community, I, I really feel fortunate about that. And it's funny when I, when I share the story, I don't know if you'd feel the way about this way about Garrett, Lindsay, every time I tell the story of Reese, I tell it a little bit differently. And I, sh I, a different detail comes up every time. Um, so it's not like a, we're talking from a script. It's like, oh, I remember this. I'm going to share this thing this time. So it's pretty yeah, interesting. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, and, and not to be stereotypical, but I think in general, there tends to be a lot of external pressure on maybe dads even more so than moms to to maybe not talk about it as much or be that more stoic one and so as you said generationally generationally it has changed but I think dads may be experiencing that um, maybe even to a greater degree than than the mothers are 
as, as a dad that has had, if I'm doing my math right, seven years um, plus now experience at this, what, what advice do you have for other dads or what, what would you say you have learned um, through, through your experience as Reese's dad? It's a fantastic question because I remember vividly in the weeks and months after we lost Reese, there was a revolving door of supporters for my wife coming into our house. Every day there was someone else bringing a meal, bringing flowers, sitting and crying with her. And of course, people would check in with me, but the level of support was so much different. And I remember the first time I got together with a group of friends, uh, they came to my house and to pick me up and we were gonna leave. And they stood in the corner of that room and they were afraid to say anything to AJ, my wife, or, or anything to me. And it was clear that their purpose in my life that night was to take my mind off of what had happened and comic relief. And that's important too. But it was so stark between the women who were coming to visit my wife, who were diving right in and crying and tell me the story, tell me about Reese, show me a picture, what happened. And um, the people in my life who were not, were afraid to say the wrong thing. And in the early moments of that, I was taking it personally and thinking I have the wrong friends. And as time went on, I have been able to have a little more grace and realize I still have wonderful supportive people in my life. They just don't know how to find the right words. Um, how do I turn that into advice for men or for dads? I don't know what the advice is, um, but if, you're, if your current friend base is not built in or equipped to support you after a loss, there are places where you can find support elsewhere. It may be a scary because there's people there's people you've never met before. It's support groups, it's nonprofits. Um, there's plenty of place to find others who have been through it and that's scary and intimidating because you don't know these people yet. Um, but um, the, the support exists, you just have to find it if it's not there in your existing uh, network. Very, very well said. So talk to us a little bit about the podcast and how, how that came to be and, and your experience with it. I can remember, so I joined the Star Legacy Board in 2015, not long after we lost Reese, um, because I met Lindsay and I met Shauna and we just clicked right away. And I was quickly asked to be on the board and I was grateful for the opportunity. And I can remember every year we'd have an annual board retreat where we would share, we would talk about our, our, our uh, master plan for the next year. What's our priorities? And every year um, under the communications or marketing plan, it was start a podcast. And it, it didn't happen for the first couple of years. And I was still new and I didn't say anything, but I don't have a lot of uh, marketable skills, but one of them is I can be a broadcaster because my first job out of college was a television reporter. And um, I'm a journalist by trade, even though I work in public relations now. Um, so the art of asking questions and um, producing a podcast came pretty simple, simply to me. So on the third year in 2017, the start a podcast initiative was still on the master plan and it hadn't happened yet. So I said, 
would you like me to host this? And Lindsay said, yes. And it was that simple. Um, so using my, uh, my laptop at home and some simple uh, editing equipment, we started doing, we, we strove to do monthly uh, interviews with experts from across the Star Legacy spectrum of experts. Um, and it happened quickly and I learned a ton. I love the podcast medium, especially for this subject matter where you, it's really hard to speak in sound bites in the pregnancy loss space and telling something in 30 seconds is really impossible, but having 30 to 45 minutes to explore a topic with an expert, holy cow, the people I was able to talk to and learn from and just dive into their life for a little bit. It was such a gift. Um, I really enjoyed it and I hope the listeners enjoyed it too. Are there, not to put you on the spot, but are there any podcasts or, or people that you interviewed or experiences, things you learned that, that kind of stand out? Um, well, the first one I did was with you, Lindsay, and that was uh, memorable because um, I didn't have the correct microphone. So I brought a wooden spoon and I duct taped a lav microphone to it. And we sat in a closet at the Star Legacy Foundation office. And I held this wooden spoon and I would talk into it. And then you, I would just hold it across <laughs> for you to answer your questions. And if that's not a podcast startup nonprofit story, I don't know what is. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. So that was extremely memorable. And it was fun to gradually uh, become a little more technically proficient and, and get a little better and improve. Um, but that was, a, I always enjoyed our conversations, Lindsay, and be, being able to record it for a podcast um, was, was memorable. One specifically, I interviewed a couple of women with a group called Birth with Dignities, Mothers and Babies of Uganda. The majority of the podcast interviews I did was either over the phone or done via Zoom and just recorded remotely. These two wonderful women came to my house one day and we just put a microphone in between us and we chatted and um, I learned so much about um, pregnancy loss in a different country, specifically in a third world country. And I had been so focused on what I didn't have in my experience following pregnancy loss. I didn't for a second think about that people in other countries are coming at it with a much greater disadvantage than we are here in America. And to hear how pregnancy loss uh, affects people there when you're struggling to get food and water and shelter, the basic things that I take for granted. Um, these women were just amazing and it was really memorable sitting down with them. The other one of course was when uh, Keith and Jill Powell came to the Stillbirth Summit a few years ago and they were our keynote speakers at the 15th anniversary dinner for the Star Legacy Foundation. Keith is a celebrity. He was on the show 30 Rock. He's a director. His wife has become an act actress and they shared their story. But before they took the stage at our 15th anniversary dinner, I was able to sit down with them and just talk to a real couple. Yes, they're Hollywood actors, but we shared something um, in common. And to hear that um, celebrities that experience pregnancy loss have the exact same um, concerns and story and 
There's a lot of, in, of commonalities that we found and they were just beautifully eloquent in sharing their story. So I, I really appreciated that one as well. That's amazing. Yeah, I know I have um, lots of lots of my favorites for many, many different reasons as well. Um, but I think some of the, the favorite things that I've enjoyed about having this, this program going is the, the dialogue that it has opened up. And so many times we will get questions and or comments from people about thank you this is the first time I've heard somebody talk about x or um I you know they will resonate and, and connect with with an, an expert to say that was the first time somebody actually um said said this thing that I was feeling um or sometimes it will open up questions and, and we'll get you know they said this how does that apply to to these different circumstances and so I think as much as it was imparting information, it also helped really kind of give people words and, and give them a um, permission to maybe talk about some of these more difficult concepts. I know at Star Legacy in, in the office and through the main communication channels, we got a lot of those, but I'm only guessing and, and assuming that you had some of that feedback and experience as well. Yeah, one really memorable experience was um, on Father's Day a few years ago, um, me and a group of six or seven dads got together at a popular lake here in Minnesota and ran around it with empty strollers to spread awareness uh, for, about stillbirth. And before we started jogging, uh, one of the dads, we all introduced ourselves and one of the dads said, you know, how did I, how did he learn about the Star Legacy Foundation? He said, well, he and his wife were listening to one of the podcast episodes and they learned a lot about how their pregnancy loss happened from this expert that I interviewed. And I said, oh, hi, I'm the host of the start of the Stillbirth Matters podcast. And he looked at me like I was a celebrity. And then later I met this guy's wife at the Stillbirth Summit and she looked at me like I was a very important part of her life because I interviewed this expert that helped them and they eventually got in touch with this doctor and uh, learned a lot about their loss and why it happened. Um, you know, when you're sitting in your home office talking to, to a doctor on Zoom and then you put it out, you don't think about whose life it's you're impacting. So to actually hear from people who can say the podcast helped them in that way was so meaningful and I'll never forget that. That's a really cool story. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So one thing that with the wide variety of topics that we had you cover um, in all of these years with the podcast, I think it's been, you know, the, the understatement maybe is that stillbirth is obviously a very complex situation. As much as we would all like a, a quick magic wand that is going to make it all better, make it go away. Um, make bereavement care exactly what it should be. Life just isn't quite that simple and particularly this issue. So are there, um, just kind of looking back, are there any major um, kind of wishes that you would have maybe um, for, for where we want stillbirth um, prevention and care to go in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. Every single interview I did I shouldn't say every single, most in interviews that I did, one of the last questions I would ask people is, what's, what's their level of optimism about this, where stillbirth is right now and where we're headed? 
And almost everyone expressed optimism about prevention improving in the years ahead, because for the first time ever, we're talking about it more and we have the right people around the table. And yes, sometimes it feels like progress is happening at a snail's pace, but more than ever before, there's a lot of traction around this issue. Um, the internet has connected the right people with each other. We're learning on a global perspective on this topic. And we have a really passionate base of families that have experienced stillbirth that are kind of demanding answers more than ever before. And that's a vocal group right there. So while we can't measure exactly uh, what progress will look like in the years ahead, one of my top takeaways from interviewing all these experts over the last five years is there's a ton of optimism out there about the Star Legacy Foundation and other groups of its kind being able to make measurable impacts in the years ahead. Whatever that looks like, I don't know, but it was nice to hear that perspective of, boy, back in the 80s and 90s, we didn't have any traction around this topic, but in the last 15, 10, five years, holy cow, we're moving mountains compared to where we were decades ago. So that doesn't directly answer your question, but it um, it just expresses a level of, of optimism that I really enjoyed hearing from a lot of the experts that I that I interviewed. Well, and I, I think the way you said it just brought this full circle for me at least, because when you were talking about Reese's birth, one of the, the comments that you made was you needed to see joy and hope in somebody's eyes. And I I would interpret what you just said now about the podcast and, and these experts is that it's it's providing that joy and hope in, in just a different level and in a different way. And maybe that's hopefully what all of us need on, on some level. That's a brilliant uh, interview tactic, Lindsay. You just brought it completely full circle. I'm really impressed by that. Well, hey, yeah. if we're not knowing what I'm doing, it's not so bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know everybody grieves differently, but I can remember once, once the fog lifted a little bit after we lost Reese, my, my brain goes to what can I control I can't bring her back. I can't change anything about what happened. I can't get in a time machine and change anything. But maybe it'll make me feel a little bit better if we can do something to help future families from going through this. And if they do go through this, maybe their experience will be just a little bit better than mine was. Um, and that um, heals my heart just a little bit. And we can't expect to be wholly healed. Um, but um, my experience through Star Legacy and the podcast and being on the board um, and passing a bill in Minnesota for a tax credit and all these other little things that we did along the way, it's all helping future families uh, in some way. And, and that makes me feel good. Well, I, I think that's about as, as well as I could say it. Um, we, we have certainly appreciated all of your, your time and talents that, that you and your entire family um, have, have brought to, to Star Legacy as you, you know, you've worked in our support programs, obviously a lot of the communications work, you just mentioned advocacy with some of the legislative efforts, uh, being on our board, fundraising, um, 
so instrumental in so many of, of our programs over the last several years that um, it's it's certainly you've had a, a significant um, imprint on, on our organization and, and we are definitely better for it. Hopefully you're not you're going too far away from us. Um, we no, all know that, that our journeys uh, morph and, and we'll we will continue to find um, new ways to, to honor all of our babies and hopefully we'll just find um, new and even more exciting ways to continue to share um, our stories and have our paths cross. Absolutely, Lindsay. It's always a pleasure talking with you and thanks for making time for me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for a wonderful start to the Stillbirth Matters podcast and we will do our best to keep it going. That's all for this episode of the Stillbirth Matters podcast presented by the Star Legacy Foundation. Contact us at info at starlegacyfoundation.org to share feedback, request support, or suggest topics or guests for future podcast episodes. Mm-hmm.